This is the Birth, Baby, and Life podcast with Kristen Burgess, and we're gathering our way into episode number 52. Welcome to the Birth, Baby, and Life podcast, the tips, tools, and straight talk you want for pregnancy, childbirth, and bringing up baby. And now your host, Kristen Burgess. Hi. This is Kristen from naturalbirthandbabycare.com, and today we are going to have the last Q&A episode in our Q&A series, and this week we're going to talk about family and relationships, which is probably on everybody's mind because at this time of the year, during the holiday season and the new year, family gatherings tend to be happening perhaps more frequently than they do at other times of the year. It's important to consider family relationships, especially during pregnancy, because relationships in your immediate family are most likely going to be shifting or changing somewhat, and relationships from extended family can sometimes get a little bit strained. It's good to have an idea of how you might can handle that constructively and in an adult way. So with that, I'm just going to jump right into the questions. And our first question is an extended family question. How much effort should I put in the relationship with my mom? She is not good at respecting my boundaries and wishes. This is often a problem that women find gets magnified during pregnancy and it may be with your mom or it could be with a mother-in-law usually it's with a mother or a mother-in-law that this is really the biggest issue because they have input in your life to some certain extent and also because they feel that they have a big stake in your baby's life and since you're pregnant with their grandbaby Sometimes things can get really strained and really tense because of that. My recommendation is that you take a look at what's going on with your mom. And it's hard to say, to give advice without specifics. But even in my own life, I've found that I've had to put boundaries on relationships. But first, you want to look carefully at the relationship. And I think it's always good to come from the point of being positive and saying they're acting like this because they want to help. Or at least that should be the baseline assumption until proved otherwise. And sometimes it really is otherwise. Because sometimes these people in our life, they can't really look past themselves and see what's good for us or what's good for our children or their grandchildren, as the case may be when we're talking about mothers or mothers-in-law. So what I would say is at first definitely try to put effort in. Often it's about birth choices or parenting choices that that problems tend to arise because you're making a different choice for your birth or a different choice for your for parenting your baby than your mother or your mother-in-law made. And I would first begin by providing information in a non-confrontational way. Sometimes information can be really simple. There were baby care practices that were recommended when our moms and mother-in-laws were parenting that have now been shown not to be recommended. So, for instance, the Back to Sleep campaign is one that comes immediately to mind. And many of us do try and put our babies to sleep on their backs, regardless of what we feel about that when we're co-sleeping. We just automatically, we've heard for a decade or so, a decade and a half now, the babies should be to sleep on their backs. But many of our moms 
And mother-in-laws put babies to sleep on their stomach because that's what they were taught. That it was dangerous to put a baby to sleep on his or her back because he might spit up and choke. And so they're coming from a point of view that, okay, well, that might be dangerous to the baby. And you're coming from the point of view that says, well, research shows that being putting baby back to sleep could possibly prevent SIDS. So in that case, you just share information about the new research and then let it be at that. And I've always enjoyed in Dr. Sears' parenting books that he's always said, you can feel free to use me as your doctor and say that doctor, the doctor said, I need to do this or that. And because mothers and mother-in-laws often have a lot of respect for authority, the medical profession is a very venerated one for that generation. It's, it can be effective at helping them understand that certain parenting choices made for health reasons are valid ones. And it can help them look past what they did when they were a parent. So that, I, I think that just preventing information neutrally and perhaps pre- presenting it from an authority figure is a good way to help, um, to help handle things that are simple on the surface. But what about if it's something that you can't just chalk up to new research or, or sh- shuffle off on the doctor so easily, like choosing a home birth or even natural birth, which your mother or mother-in-law is probably aware is somewhat controversial and maybe she's heard statements that say it's not safe or blah 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 I think that you can start in the same way with a situation like that. You can share knowledge. You can share information. When I was pregnant with my first, I shared a book with my mom that my midwife had lent me, and I honestly don't remember the name of the book now. But it just covered some of the new research that showed how differently we view birth than we did to a certain extent. When she had me and how... It just covered some of the evidence for midwifery-based care and for choosing to have a natural birth over an epidural and that sort of thing. And I think that she was still skeptical after that, but at least I had shared the information. So I think that you can share that information. But you said that you're having problems because your mom isn't good at respecting your boundaries and wishes. And you've taken those, I'm going to assume you've taken those logical steps of sharing the information with her. And you may email her articles or things like that. It doesn't have to be in the form of a book. But if she's still not respecting things, then you can do a couple things. You can be real blunt and say, look, mom, we don't see eye to eye on this. I've done my research. And if your husband's involved, you know, my husband's on board with this. And this is what we're going to do. This is our pregnancy. It's our birth. It's our baby. You were able to do what you felt was best with me and with my siblings, if you have siblings. And this is my chance. This is my turn. We've done the research. We feel this is safe. Uh, if you feel like it would help and say you're planning a, a home birth or something, you could outline maybe that you have transport plans or you could discuss why you feel confident with your midwife that she's got these credentials or that she's had this much experience or whatever. It's your choice really how far you want to go into that to try and justify your choices or how far you don't. But in the end, if she's not listening, you just have to be willing to say, look, this is what I've chosen or this is what we've chosen and this is what we're going to do. And if you can't talk about this without getting argumentative, then we just need to not have these conversations. 
if that doesn't put a stop to it or a gentle reminder or like, you know, mom, we're not going to talk about that. Let's talk about nursery colors or let's talk about the weather or let's talk about what we're going to do at grandma's house next week when the family gets together. If she's not open to that, then you may have to say, Mom, I think that right now is just not the right time for us to be talking because I've got boundaries, I've made decisions, and if those can't be respected, then we're just going to have some distance throughout my pregnancy. Usually, issues like that are about pregnancy and birth, and once the baby comes along, things go better. But sometimes grandparents can really get hung up on things like they want to bottle feed the baby or they want to keep the baby overnight. And you may be nursing full time and that's not an option for you. And sometimes you may have to be really clear about those boundaries too or even say, look, mom, we're just, we're not going to be able to visit if every time we come to visit you harp on the fact that you can't feed the baby or you harp on the fact that... Uh, that you can't keep the baby overnight. That's It's not enjoyable for me. It's stressful for me. You're not enjoying your grandson or your granddaughter because you're so worried about that. Um, because there are really, there are really many things that a, a parent, as in your parent or in-law, can do. And th- those are really the hot spots that tend to get to them. So parenting choices, birth choices, you may have to put down firm boundaries and you may even have to put restrictions on the amount of time you talk and the relationship. Another big thing is sometimes the birth. You may not want your mother or your mother-in-law at the birth and she may have the assumption or the expectation that she's going to be there. And I know that that is a really hard situation because that was the situation that I was in. I just, I didn't want all kinds of people at the birth, including my parents or my in-laws. I wanted them to come and visit after the baby was born, but not be there during the birth. And I, I think that was really hard for my mom. And I still feel bad for that, but I still think that I made the right choice based on our relationship. And for some of you, it's obvious that you want your mom or your mother-in-law there. But for those of you who are in my shoes, I know how you feel. And for that, you you can be gentle but firm. And you may say something like, evidence has shown that birth goes better when there are fewer people there and we'll call you as soon as the baby comes and and just let it rest at that. You don't need to keep justifying. You don't need to keep working. You don't need to keep letting it stress you. And if mom or mother-in-law keeps carrying on about it, then say, look, if this comes up every time we talk, we're not going to be able to get together or chat as much because it's really stressful for me. I know it's hard for you, but this is the choice that we've made and please respect that. And that's really the best that you can say. And that's really the best that you can do in that situation. It's it's going to be hard for them if they have the desire or expectation that they'll be there. But it's your baby's birth, so you make that final decision. Okay, next question is, if my husband is doubtful about having an at-home birth, how can I convince him that it is safe, especially for a low-risk, healthy mama? Husbands, I think, didn't tend to respond well to research. So just like we talked about sharing information with a mother or a mother-in-law, surely you're going to share information with your husband. There are a lot of studies that have shown the safety of home birth. There are also a lot of uh, analyses of the couple of studies that have come out against home birth 
that pretty scathingly tear apart those studies, usually because those stories count things like babies that were born precipitously at home or that sort of thing. Um, But if you're doing a planned home birth with a midwife or even a planned unassisted birth and you're very knowledgeable and conscious in your choices, chances are things are going to go safe. And there's a lot of research that backs that up. I would recommend, and I'll link to this in the show notes, but I would recommend you take a look at the home birth section of my website, naturalbirthandbabycare.com, because I have an article that talks about helping dads get on board with home birth. And perhaps one of the neatest things about that article is that it has a video done by Judy Sloan Cohane, who is a She's a midwife, but she's also an avid researcher, and her video is about the safety of home birth versus hospital birth, and she actually shows that home birth for healthy, low-risk women, like you pointed out, may indeed be a safer option than hospital birth. And there's, she also gave me permission to include her full paper as a download on that page. So you can actually download that paper. It's a nice PDF format and you can send that to your husband or you can watch the video with him. You can share that with him. There's a lot of research. She's got tons of references that show the safety of birth and I think our birth at home. And I think that's really good to share with him. Another thing that you might consider sharing with him is Ricky Lake's documentary, The Business of Being Born. I can also link to that in the show notes. That's a really good one because it's just, I mean, it really is an expose of the childbirth industry in modern cultures today, mostly focused on the United States. But it's, there are a lot of videos about birth and about home birth that really appeal to us as women, but some of them maybe not so much men. And I think that The Business of Being Born is it's got that kind of logical, more analytical side on it too. And it may be better accepted than perhaps if he sees something like birth into being or birth as we know it or orgasmic birth. He may feel a little bit skeptical about that. If you're, if you're going to work with a midwife, which I'm assuming you probably will if you're choosing a home birth, she's also a really good person to have him talk to. Have him go to your prenatal appointments. She's probably seen lots of nervous dads in her time. She can give him a lot of advice from a professional standpoint. That's her purpose at the birth. I mean, midwives are very supportive to mamas at birth, but their purpose at the birth is also to be an observer and to safeguard mother and baby safety, just to watch what's going on, to make sure that everything stays within the realm of normal, and just to monitor, even if she, she may never use her hands, but she's always using her eyes, she's always using her ears, and she's just watching to make sure that everything's going all right, kind of like a guardian angel. That's what her purpose at the birth is, and she can reassure your husband, not only with credentials, academic credentials or experience, but she can talk to him about what she does, what she looks for, that she really does know her stuff. I think that makes a big difference for a lot of husbands, just to get to know the midwife and to hear her talk about it because she's been there with nervous daddies and she's been there with a lot of women in a lot of different birth experiences. You could also show him information from other modern societies. Uh, A lot of countries in Europe, for instance, midwifery care and even home birth is more of a norm. You could point out to him that, that as the time I'm recording this podcast, which is just before New Year 2015, so late, late, late 2014, that the UK is now making recommendations that low-risk moms um, who are having a subsequent baby, so second or later, 
choose home birth preferentially over hospital birth. And they aren't recommending that for first-time moms, but they are recommending first-time moms consider birthing in a birthing center with midwives. Because there's just so much evidence that shows that outcomes are as good or even better for those groups of women when they're cared for by midwives in a home or home-like setting. And that that kind of professional perspective can be really assuring to a dad-to-be who may be nervous. So take a look at that article on my page and definitely look at Judy's video and information. Talk to your midwife. Just explore all the resources online that really do show and demonstrate um, from a scientific or research perspective that home birth is as safe or safer. All right, can I nurse throughout pregnancy? I included this with the family relationship questions because, of course, it's relationship-related. And we're going to talk even more about breastfeeding and weaning things in a future podcast episode coming really soon. But, yes, you can breastfeed throughout pregnancy, so you can maintain that relationship with your nursing toddler for as long as you both mutually desire. I won't go into a lot of detail on it because we are going to talk about it more. But breastfeeding during pregnancy can be challenging. Women's breasts and nipples often become tender and nursing may actually become painful. That's that's not unusual. Also, there are instincts. I guess we can only describe it as a mama bear instinct. But many moms who have had a blissful nursing relationship up to the point of pregnancy, suddenly find that they want to do something like hurl their toddler across the room like a football when he or she asks to nurse. And I I want to say that I don't sugarcoat it at all because I think that many moms feel that and they feel ashamed or shocked because they have that feeling. It's like nails on a chalkboard kind of feeling whenever the the toddler wants to nurse or this just undeniable urge to get this kid off of me. And I don't know the real cause for that. I don't think that anybody really knows the real cause for that, but the hypothesis is that it's just it's a natural reaction that the body wants to preserve the new baby. But from a health and safety perspective, as long as you're eating well and really taking care of yourself, uh, and you you may consider if you have a history of miscarriage or if you're carrying multiples, perhaps you may consider weaning for a health perspective for that reason. But otherwise, nursing during pregnancy has been shown to be safe. Uh, it just comes with some conflicting feelings, and there are ways to work with that. And we'll talk about that uh, on the breastfeeding, the breastfeeding and weaning episode that's coming up. But yes, it's definitely very safe to continue a nursing relationship unless it's multiples or you've got miscarriage issues or um, an irritable uterus, something like that. All right. What do I need to do in order to keep myself and baby safe during the last trimester when I have a three-year-old to chase and a house and family to take care of? What isn't okay to do? I just wrote a guest article for this. I think in November, for Modern Alternative Mama. So I'll link to that. But it's just about enjoying your pregnancy while you have little ones to care for. As long as you're physically healthy, there are really not a lot of limits on what you can and can't do as far as, say, lifting your toddler or whatever. You want to be really aware of your joints and of your balance because your joints are really softened and you could end up pulling your back or hurting your hips 
more easily than you would pre-pregnancy. And especially if you've got a stocky little toddler, that may be something you want to consider. Uh, and also your, your center of balance is greatly adjusted and you may be clumsier carrying your toddler. My solution for that in the past has usually been to put my toddler in a back carrier. But, um, you know, some, some moms, they just don't pick their toddler up as much. Or they choose something like, well, sit on the couch and snuggle instead of perhaps being picked up and hauled around. And the toddler may not be happy if they're used to being picked up and hauled around. But snuggle time with mom is a pretty good alternative. So you could just work that into the day more. But otherwise, really, the thing you want to watch for is exhausting yourself. And as exhausting as toddlers are, I don't really think that that is what's going to exhaust you during your pregnancy. It's exhausting to have a little one up and zooming around all day, but you could baby-proof a room pretty effectively. And I talk about this in the article I did for Kate's uh, site, so you'll be able to read all about that. But, you know, you could baby-proof a room or and create boundaries so that room is where you and the little one are and you could park yourself on the couch while they're zooming all around you and you just have a few cleanup times throughout the day. I also talk about minimizing toys and books that can be spread around and I definitely recommend that. But that that keeps you from getting too terribly exhausted and doing things like doubling meals here and there, keeping lunches and breakfasts super simple. All of those things are definitely options that you can explore to help lower the stress level during the day. What I think is more likely to exhaust you is if you're doing lots of mommy and me classes and lots of extracurricular activities. So you've got library story time one day and mommy and me one day and kinder music one day and gymnastics one day with your toddler or with a combination of toddlers and older children. That's what's going to wear you out. So especially in your third trimester and especially especially as you're in that last month of pregnancy, I would really consider saying no to some of those activities, limiting some of those activities so that you're spending most of your days resting and at home. And if you're still working outside the home, definitely try and limit after work and weekend activities so that you're just being able to A, spend a lot of time with your child before a new sibling comes and B, you're able to rest when you're not at work. Those are the real things that I would say to watch for. Other things just tend to be logistics things. It tends to be planning and forethought and creating routines and things that help you get through the day more easily. And I, I'm i going to say I'll refer you to the article again because I do outline it. I outline it pretty extensively in that article. So I think that you'll really find that helpful. And, excuse me, that, that will really benefit you to look through and think about those logistical things that you can do to keep up with the little ones and to take care of the house. Okay. Can you tell me about your birth experiences and especially how you cope with your family's needs after a home birth? I have a two, almost three-year-old, and I'm a bit worried about how we'll just, after having a new baby, taking up my attention, especially at the beginning. I hope he will be a better sleeper than she was. So I, um, with my first and second, I guess Cassidy, my firstborn, she was really easygoing and laid back. And I just, I didn't find it real hard to take care of her after Asher was born. We had a really routine day, and I think that helped a lot. 
We had pretty set routine. It, it was very home focused because it was just she and I home during the day. And um, actually all day, all night, it was just us. Their, their dad was in the military, so it was just us. And we just pretty much did the same thing, the same routine from day to day and essentially the same routine from week to week. We went to the library once a week and we would grocery shop after the library and then we came home and everything else was home-based. And we had regular snack times, regular meal times, regular story and cleanup and bedtimes. And so I think when, the, when Asher was born... I just kind of slotted him into the routine and he was a nursing baby so he essentially was just with me most of the time in my arms and I had never really gotten Cassidy to nap regularly which was interesting but as a baby but as a toddler I would have her lay down to take an afternoon nap late in my pregnancy when I needed an afternoon nap and 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 we had such a set routine that Asher after he was born not really in the first few days or even couple weeks but after that he he just adapted I guess to taking a morning nap at a regular time when Cassidy and I were doing um, reading or something like that I don't remember it's been 11 years now but uh, and then he took the afternoon nap with us and it was just it was pretty easy to work him into that routine and even bedtime I did Cassidy's bedtime routine and then I did a bedtime routine with him he had a little bassinet out front with me and he would sleep in that for a little while before I took him to bed but I found that that routine was pretty pretty easy and actually he was one of my fussiest babies but he still liked that routine and he adapted to that pretty well and I think that helped a lot. After my third baby Brennan was born um, I had a lot of help. I had a lot of people coming in and actually after Asher was born my mother-in-law came and stayed for about a week too so she took care of the day-to-day things and during his first week and then I also had help after Brennan was born and I think if you can have family help come in like that that's really beneficial or even if you have friends who can arrange a meal train so that you're not having to worry about meals that's really beneficial but if if that can't happen if you can't have that outside help then I would definitely say create a routine right now and work with your little one or little ones in that routine. So they're just used to that routine day to day. And that's what all of you can look back on and what all of you can rest on and what all of you can enjoy. And then things are going to be kind of crazy the first week or two after the baby comes because he may not have a really set rhythm. But you just be aware of the rhythm and encourage him as much as you can. I don't I don't believe in really scheduling little babies or anything like that, but I do think that they can gently adapt to the family's rhythm. The first couple of weeks I think tend to be all about the baby and then it's more you start being more aware of the rhythm of the day and just things will fall into place more naturally. I make it sound easy, it's not always easy, and I know I sound kind of I'm I'm not really giving concrete advice here, but really it's not a concrete procedure where you do a b and c it's just more let's start looking at the family's daily rhythm and start working towards that with the newest little person for the immediate postpartum period what i've usually done is put together special activity boxes that my little ones can play with either near me or with the person who's going to come and watch them and the newness the novelty of that and the 
the neat activities and things, those are really helpful for helping them make that transition. And you've probably already heard the advice to let them help bring diapers or wipes or that sort of thing, uh, change of clothes for the new baby. That, that helps them to feel connected and part of the experience. And they really enjoy that. So I think a lot of planning prenatally, especially in the last couple months of your pregnancy, if you know nobody's going to be bringing food in, start filling your freezer, start doubling or tripling a few entrees and putting the second or second or and or third into the freezer so that that's there for you after the baby comes. Uh, plan really simple lunches and breakfasts again. Make sure that you've got the things you'll need on hand. Think about paper products and things that you'll need. Now I have older children who wash dishes, but after my first few babies, not after Cassidy and I should have, but I learned with her. But um, but after Asher and Brennan and I think Galen certainly, we used a lot of paper plates and uh, and disposable utensils. And it was worth it for my sanity. So those are just little things that you can do and think about. Anytime somebody comes to visit, ask them if they'll start a load of laundry or move a load from the washer to the dryer. That sort of thing. All of that can make it a lot more manageable. Uh, and then I'll try to do one more question here. How do you prepare older siblings for the birth of a baby? So partially, I think it's routine. I think that reading, like I just talked to, that just helps prepare them to be ready for a routine after the baby comes. And then reading books about becoming a big sibling. One of our favorites has, um, oh gosh, it's the little Julius book. I think it's Julius is the Baby of the World, maybe the title of the book. But that's always been our family's favorite. But we've, you know, we've checked out lots of books from the library and read those just to help prepare a child for the thought of becoming an older sibling and introducing that concept, especially if this is the first time it's happened for your child. Helping them to know if they're really little, like if you've got a young toddler who's going to be 18 months or even 24 months when the new baby comes, there's really not a lot you can prepare them for. But you can read books to them. You can point out babies when you're out, talk about babies. Children, even little children of that age, are often very interested in babies. So you can say, oh, we're going to have a baby. As far as preparing them for the actual birth, if they will be at the actual birth, I've usually prepared my children by, my younger children by saying, you know, Mama may make noises, she may sound like a cow or she may sound like a lion because moaning sounds kind of like mooing and if you're hollering then it sounds kind of like a lion roaring. Uh, and that I think that helps. The sounds I think are the biggest thing for little ones that they pick up on and may be alarmed by. So I've always shared the sounds. And then often my littlest ones are still coming into the bathroom when I'm going to the bathroom and stuff. And so I, I talked to them about it then when mama was going potty. You know, I talked about the noises that mama might make and I showed them baby's going to come out from down here and touched, you know, my growing belly. Baby's in the womb and when babies are ready to come out of their mamas, they come from the birth canal down here. Um, just kind of to give them an overview of what to expect and more just talking about it here and there. Uh, your midwife may also have some birth videos that show gentle births or births where other children are present at the birth. And I think those are good to watch with children, even older children up at with the videos because that helps them understand what may be going on. And of course you can talk 
more about the technical aspects of birth, so to speak, with an older child. You know, what exactly is going to happen and that mom's going to be working really hard. One thing that we do with our older children is we tell them they can be at the birth, but they need to save any questions for after the birth. So they know that they either need to not ask questions or they're going to be asked to go back to their room because mama and daddy are going to be busy and because the midwives are busy. And so if the midwife asks them a question, it's okay to reply. But otherwise, they just need to be quiet and observe or if they're asked to do something, to please do that. And all three of my older children who at that time were, I think, 11, 9, and 7 were present at Corwin's birth. And that went really well and they were really respectful. So that worked well for them. And they see a lot of birth videos because that's my line of work. So I didn't have to do a lot to prepare them. But I think birth videos or birth stories are talking about their births. If you had a similar type of birth with them that you're planning with this baby, those are all good things that you can do. Okay, we're at the 30-minute mark, so I'm going to go ahead and cut it off. I think we covered the big questions um, about family relationships in relation to pregnancy and birth. So this is the last Q&A episode that I had planned, but I always love to hear from you. You can always go to naturalbirthandbabycare.com and hit the contact button that's at the bottom of the page. Uh, Please feel free to leave me a rating on iTunes. Leave me feedback. Let me know what you think of the podcast, uh, if it's helpful, if you've got somewhere where you can see that I can improve, or if if you want to make a suggestion for the podcast, I would love to hear from you. Uh, I would like to wish you a happy New Year's if you're listening to this podcast when it releases. And I hope that 2015 is a beautiful year for you. And if you're listening to this in the future, I hope that whatever year it is, is a beautiful year for you. And I will talk to you next week. Thanks for listening to the Birth, Baby and Life podcast with Kristen Burgess. For great resources and tons more info, visit www.birthbabylife.com. Visit www.birthbabylife.com.